0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me, as always, is Charles W. Bryant, as well as our producer, Jerry. You can just call me Boson, Higgs Boson. No one's going to call you that. (laughs) That would be a great name, though. Uh yeah. Higgs boson.
0: What up, Higgs?
1: I wonder uh if that thing is discovered if somebody will name their kid
0: Higgs boson you know, Meckelwitz or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well if someone names their kid Yeah Detroit, I think someone could potentially name <laughs> okay. their kid Higgs boson. There's uh there's even uh an a, a comma I think in there, isn't there? In Yeah Detroit, yeah. And I don't remember in an exclamation point.
1: Yeah. There's some sort of punctuation. When you get punctuation into your name, your parents were messed up. Yes. Uh, Chuck's talking about a theoretical particle called the Higgs boson, and we'll talk about it in a minute. Mm -hmm. But first we're going to talk about the place where they're hoping to find proof, positive, that the Higgs boson particle exists. Yes, Josh, and this is very science-heavy. Super science heavy because it's about science. So science heavy that Chuck and I uh, um, are a little nervous about this one. I, I'm not afraid yeah, to. Admit. I have dark matter oozing out of my ears. <laughs> yeah, you do both ears, which is proof that it exists. At <laughs> exactly. Least. You That's just uh, you just amended the standard model, right. Chuck. <laughs> All right, let's talk about this, dude. What 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 is this? We're talking about. The Large Hadron Collider, right? Yes. Which you may have heard about, you may know a lot about, and if you do, I imagine we'll probably get some angry emails from you when we mess it up inevitably. Right, <laughs> right. but uh, on, on the border between Switzerland and France, yes, a hundred meters underground. Beautiful country, sure. Lots of good skiing out there, sure. Um, there is a facility. With a track that's what seventeen miles long, I think 17.7? 16 point something. Give okay, it a we'll just call it seventeen. Seventeen, uh, and around this track, uh, they shoot beams of light. Pretty simple. It is pretty simple. Can uh, I stop now? Yes, we can. <laughs> and that there, there is a large hadron collider. Everybody. Duh. That's what it's called. It's called the Large Hadron Collider. Um, it's been, uh, built, uh, I, I think they started in the 21st century. And it finally went online for the first time in 2008. So far it's cost six billion dollars to construct.
0: Yeah, I've heard any up to ten even, depending on who you ask.
1: Well, yeah, and there's a lot of countries involved. Mm -hmm. There's thousands of scientists who are going back to their home countries and saying, we need more money, we need more money. Right. Um, and, uh, the, the, uh, but yeah, France and, um, Switzerland are running the show there.
0: Yeah. CERN is the name of the company we should point out. Right.
1: Well, the organization, it's the European Organization for Nuclear Research. Abbreviated,
0: en français, CERN. Okay. I was about to say, those letters don't match up, man. Right. (laughs) Hey, there's something hanky around
1: (laughs) here. So what is it, Chuck? It, they shoot beams of
0: light. Yeah. It's a particle accelerator and it is the largest and most, uh. Badass particle accelerator in the history of particle accelerators. True that. That's the easiest way to say it. We've
1: got particle accelerators that look like um, old donkeys pulling carts with square wheels compared to this thing. <laughs> yeah, seriously. This is as big as it gets. It's as ambitious as it gets. Um, and basically what they're trying to do are several fold. They're trying to... Uh, prove the existence of the Higgs boson particle. A.K.A.
0: the God particle.
1: Well, let's talk about this. Why Why would anyone want to uh,
0: prove the existence of a theoretical particle? Should we go back to the standard model? Yeah. Should we back into this? Let's do it. Basically, it tries to define the fundamental particles that make uh the universe. The forces. The forces. Right. You've got uh, strong nuclear
1: force, strong like bull, mm-hmm. weak nuclear force, Electromagnetic force, Yes. so the standard model, which combines um, Einstein's theory of relativity with uh, quantum physics, I believe. Quantum theory and all that other stuff you just said. It it combines those two, Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it proves the existence. It accounts for those three forces. The problem is gravity still remains unaccounted for. Yeah, that's the fourth fundamental force. Like, we can account for it theoretically, but we can't say, yes, this is why gravity exists, and this is all the stuff gravity does. We're still, with with strong nuclear force, weak nuclear force, and electromagnetic force, we've advanced leaps and bounds beyond classical physics, Newtonian physics. But we're still at the apple falling off the tree level uh, as far as this goes when it comes to gravity. Right. So the Higgs boson particle, if we find it, if we detect it, um, it will... Fill out the standard model, hopefully. Exactly.
0: And it's a theoretical particle at this point that we're tr- looking for.
1: Right. And the they think that it exists and that basically it's responsible for
0: giving mass or matter mass. Right. Right. Which is important, they say, because uh, <laughs> not all matter has mass. Right. Things called neutrinos. Right. Delicious and nutritious neutrinos <laughs> do not have mass. Right. I practiced that one. Did you? Yeah. Okay. It's actually written down. Oh my How goodness. lame is that? Uh, so not everything has mass, and, and the idea is that if you explain uh, the existence of mass using the Higgs mechanism, uh, we'll all be better for it and understand our origins. We and are. All
1: Ultimately, that's what it comes down to is we're like Theor- theory is not good enough. We have right. to know.
0: Uh-huh. You know?
1: So the Higgs boson particle is one of the bigger ones. Uh, Named after Peter Higgs, by the way, physicist who uh, theorized it. Right. Um, How do you, how do you know a theoretical particle when you see it?
0: That's a good question.
1: Do you know? I. This is what I understand. Um, that you can't just say, "Oh, there must be this particle out there." Sure. And name it after me, by the way. Right. Right. I think Peter Higgs went a little further and said this particle must exist, and if it does exist. This is basically this is its um, energy, its mass. Right. So find this. Right.
0: And name it after me.
1: Right. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, so if they, w- what's going to happen when they when they turn the
0: Large Hadron Collider on? What this Christmas, right? Uh, I think it begins the process, which will take several months after that to, mm-hmm. to collide. Isn't what, that right. Yeah, they'll they'll have their
1: sensors looking for right. a particle that's created uh, that has that. Uh, I guess, mass, that energy, that right. that whatever, um, however it's described
0: mathematically. Yeah. The, the dark matter is... my stuff. Yeah, it's coming out of my ears right yeah.
1: now. So uh, dark matter is another one that they're hoping to find, right? Uh,
0: yeah. You've got it coming out your ears. Tell <laughs> us about it, Chuck. <laughs> well, uh, here's the deal with dark matter is... Right now, humans can observe about uh, 4% of all the matter that must exist in the universe. We, that's all we can account for. Yeah, that's not very much. No. Uh, there's a theory that um, dark matter is this undetectable matter, and that, coupled with the matter that we can detect, makes up only about 25%, <laughs> Yeah. which is still not much. No. And the other three quarters is what they think might be a force called dark energy.
1: Right, which... Um Scientists have become alarmed over the last few decades when they've detected that the universe is actually expanding. Right. And they don't know why. Well, and they think that dark energy may be the reason. Right. So they're looking for that, too. Um, a lot of, once you, again, once you theorize something, you kind of have to back it up with, and this is what it's going to look like. Right. And so the, you, you sense for it, right? Sure. They're also looking for antimatter, which right. is
0: matter's hated foe. Right. And they like to cancel each other out. Yeah, that's how it supposedly worked. Is there was more antimatter. More oh, matter. I'm sorry, more matter than antimatter mm-hmm. when uh, the Big Bang happened. Which is how we're here. Exactly. But they don't know why, and
1: they're hoping to recreate uh, that. Yes, simulate. And that is um, that is the hook, mm-hmm. Chuck. What they're going to do? They want to find all this stuff and more, um, by recreating the Big Bang. Yes. the, the um the, what
0: the universe looked like uh, a trillionth of a second after the Big Bang. Right, right, because we think what happened was uh, the universe expands and cools, and all these particles floating around join up together and form larger particles, and then protons. All of a sudden, uh, what do you what's what's the word evolution? Sure, starts rolling.
1: Right, Pretty uh, cool. if you
0: believe in that kind of thing. <laughs> right,
1: um, they're also looking for some other stuff, um, slightly stranger stuff than you know, dark matter and antimatter. Uh-huh. Uh huh. They're looking for evidence. Well adherence of string theory are looking for evidence of string theory. Which would uh, mean another dimension? Several. Uh, up to 11, I believe. Uh, yeah, Michio Keiku, sure. I think, theorized 11. I don't buy string theory. Yeah, and you've always poo-pooed that. Right? I have a real problem, and it's most likely I just don't understand it, but I, from what I understand, very, very smart people don't understand it either. Well, there's no the proof. the impression that Keku is like, this is what... He didn't come up with the measurements right.
0: to back it up. right. You know? But, but you're, you're on the same page as a lot of scientists, though. They also say that it's it's a philosophy, it's not a science.
1: Right. Under his theory, or under his philosophy, however right. you want to say it, um, there's up to 11 different dimensions. We're currently aware of four um, height, width, depth, in time. Yes. Those are our four dimensions mm-hmm. that we exist in. Um, under KQ, uh, there's 11 total. So there's another eight that are unaccounted for. Right. Um, and that all matter in the universe is made up of tiny vibrating strings. Some are closed like little rubber bands. Right. Some are open like little, um, oh, I don't know, tapeworms. Like a cut rubber band. Right. <laughs> sure. <laughs> nice one, Chuck.
0: Yeah, and these strings can vibrate. Yeah. And uh, like a guitar string. And... Uh, One vibration might make it look like an electron. One might make it look like a neutrino, Mm -hmm. a delicious and nutritious neutrino. (laughs) Right. And uh, that's string theory in its most simplest form.
1: But even still, the the strings are highly hypothetical. Oh, yeah. Um, And even if they were created, we apparently wouldn't be able to sense them. What they're looking for, the string theorists, is evidence of supersymmetry. Right. And supersymmetry is uh, you have a particle – and it has a, um, a an opposite particle, like a, a neutron and a positron, positive yes. and negatively charged. Right. right, an antiparticle, sure. Right. Um, even further, those are super partners. Even further into supersymmetry, and this will somehow, I guess, prove string theory. I, I, I don't understand how it will. Mm-hmm. But, um, and oh my God, can you imagine the length of the emails we're going to get from people who explain how this proves string theory? Yeah, I'm... I'm Already uh, suffering from brain melt, I can't imagine, anymore. <laughs> so you've got the uh, neutron and the positron. Yes. And those are super partners. But each of those it, have a um, positive partner, too. Rather than an opposite, they have one that's like them as right. well. Each one has their own partner. So each particle will have three partner particles. Three counterparticles. Counterparticles. Perfect, Chuck. Yes. So that would be supersymmetry. And apparently, if they find evidence of supersymmetry, then... Bada boom, bada bing, string theory is right. Right. And it
0: also helps to uh, explain dark matter.
1: Yes, it does.
0: So. Wow. Is is anyone still out there? (laughs) Yes, stick with us, everybody. We're muddling through this part, but
1: it's about to get a little more interesting. There's like 10 nerds that are like, this is the best thing ever. No, they're like carving their knives. Oh, right. Yeah. Ready to slice us up. Yes. Um, So that's what they're looking for. And also I think this is uh, what I find most fascinating about it. Most of the scientists out there, I think there are very few who are looking for evidence that back up their theories. Most of them are actually hoping to learn like everything they know is wrong. And there's all this new stuff so So that they can can go out there and figure out what, how this fits here and all that. I find that very interesting. Yeah, me too. It's a very ambitious project. And as Strickland points out in this article, very comprehensive article, by the way. Yeah. Um, the, there is no practical application for this. Yeah, it's all just to see what happens. Yeah, which is pretty cool to sink six to ten billion
0: yeah. into, you know. Well, and if you've ever seen the thing, I mean, the pictures of this, this, the Hadron Collider is just unbelievable. It's ginormous. It's ginormous. So, uh, what are they going to be doing, Chuck? How does this thing work? Uh, well, Josh, there are eight sectors mm-hmm. at the uh, Hadron Collider, right? And. Um, they basically, uh, use magnets to steer these beams of light, these protons. Right. In a circle. Right. Because otherwise you just just shot shot it would just go straight. Right. Sure. You love that part. Well, yeah, because that's the only part that makes sense. Right. <laughs> um, the, the, uh, magnets are actually super cool. right, Chuck? Yeah. Well, there's 9,600 magnets. If you want a little, uh, stat, stat, it's, uh, this one's stat heavy. This is, this time. is your show. So, 9,600 magnets, uh, many of them weigh several tons, which is pretty, uh, Pretty big pretty big <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they are cool Josh to one point nine degrees Kelvin which is negative two seventy one Celsius or negative four fifty six Fahrenheit
1: which is just above absolute zero yeah and the reason why they would want to cool an electromagnet um, to just above absolute zero is there's very little electrical re- resistance sure when you turn that thing on so it can operate smoothly exactly ideally right because it's it's um it, its purpose isn't to like you know To a jokey attract all of the pots and pans (laughs) at the CERN facility to it? I mean, it has a purpose. It's steering beams of light, which is much more difficult. You go out there and try to steer a beam of light. I know, dude. I've tried. Yeah, it's tough. It is tough. Okay, so- uh,
0: Well, how do they cool it, though? That's a pretty cool stat. They
1: uh, cool it using uh, liquid
0: hydrogen and helium, right? Liquid nitrogen, yeah. Woo, that stuff burns. 10,800 tons of liquid nitrogen. And uh, sixty tons of liquid helium to, to finish up. Right, that's pretty hardcore. Um, okay, so you've got these
1: magnets, and actually inside the magnets are pipes, right? Which are vacuumed. Yeah, you gotta have a vacuum. So basically, if you hear you've heard vacuum and almost absolute zero, mm-hmm. um, this sounds an all, awful lot like outer space, like deep space. Exactly. Yes. Um, so they're they're creating a vacuum um, to keep any particle out. Right. Any particle could screw this whole thing up. Mm-hmm. So imagine that. There's inside this almost 17-mile uh, track,
0: there's nothing. They're creating deep space 328 feet below the Earth's crust. Without the space junk. That's nuts, dude. <laughs> it
1: is. <laughs> okay, so Chuck, along this and also those um, the eight... Sectors, each one is an arc, like you said, so it's basically one big circle. Yeah. And along, um, along this, uh, big circle are six stations, basically. Right. And each one of these is outfitted with, you know, tons of sensors. There's 150 million sensors, I think, um, throughout the whole collider. Right. Um, and so each station is basically working to, um,
0: measure one thing or another right yeah that's, and we could go into detail here but this is really when people would tune out but right. just suffice to say there are eight main stations where they're looking four or, or six of them six main stations six yeah four of which are really ginormous collecting lots of info and then two kind of smaller ones
1: Right, and remember these—they're—they're they're collecting things like um, information about radiation, sudden changes in mass, yeah. gravitational fields, electromagnetic sure. fields, that kind of stuff. Sure. And then it's going to sort through. And actually, another interesting thing about CERN is that it's getting something like 15 petabytes of data gathered every year, which is a uh, 15 million gigabytes. Yeah. That's, and they're constantly.
0: The sensors are constantly feeding back information. Yeah. Would they say that was enough information to fill 100,000 DVDs?
1: Which is not as impressive as I would have thought.
0: I'm pretty impressed.
1: Okay. Um, and they're actually using a grid computing, using off-the-shelf computers, which is pretty cool. Yeah. They just linked them together. Right. Why'd they do that?
0: Uh, it's more efficient from what I understand. Yeah, I think so. And it's cheaper. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're saving. Speaking of cheap, mm-hmm. you know what's not cheap? Their power bill. No. Did you see that? Yeah, unbelievable. Uh, Thirty million dollars per year, just to power this thing. Yeah. After they've already sunk between six and ten billion into it. Right.
1: And once this once this thing gets revved up, what they're going to do first? The first step, Chuck, and this is like the big experiment. Basically, they're just shooting beams of light and then smashing them into each other. Right. Okay. So what what they're going to do first is they're going to take hydrogen atoms, they're going to strip them of their electrons. Right. Yeah, uh, makes. Which a proton. produces protons. Mm-hmm. They're going to take the protons, and they're going to send them through a machine that fires them as beams. The PS booster. That's the accelerator,
0: right? Yeah, I think that's what gets – there's a bunch of them, but that's what gets it going. Right.
1: So it's just a beam, and then it's a beam. Right. <laughs> right? Okay, Chuck. So when they uh, get these beams ready, right, when the, when the whole thing's ready to go online for the big experiment. Right. Uh, sometime early next year. Hopefully. So the first step is to uh, take hydrogen atoms and strip them of their electrons – Poor guys. Which makes protons, right? Yeah. And there we have our protons because this is ultimately is a proton accelerator, right? Right. Um, what they do is they feed these into a machine called the LINAC 2, which fires the beams of protons into the accelerator, which is the PS booster.
0: Yes. And, dude, that uses uh, radio frequency electric field to push the protons along and kind of get them started on their journey to... Uh, just below light speed. Yeah, right. It's like, yeah, get along, little proton. Right, and we'll, you're going to meet some other guys later that are going to whip you even harder.
1: <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, that PS booster makes them go from you know a beam of light to a beam of light. Right, right. Okay, it's a good way to say it. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> um, and the uh, the magnets are going to uh, come in now. They're keeping these proton beams sure. on track. Oh yeah, and the thing's going along pretty quick, pretty quick. And then the PS booster injects it into another accelerator called the Super Proton Synchrotron. Mm, hey. It sounds like a a children's toy. It does. It does, doesn't it? A very expensive one. So the beams are now really picking up speed, and they're divided into bunches. Right. Okay, so you have, uh, just imagine one beam, and it's divided um, into, I think, 2,800 bunches? 2,808. Per beam. Per beam. Uh, And each bunch has 1.1 times 10 to the 11th power protons.
0: Right. And this is important. To say that they shoot one counterclockwise and one clockwise, right? Uh, they need to be and they're in two at different, each
1: other. two different tunnels. Yeah. So yeah, they're going different directions, but they're sure. getting faster and faster, and they're actually coming very, very close to the speed of light. At one point, remember this is a 17 mile track. Yeah. At one point, this is if crazy. these beams are getting to their their top speed. Mm-hmm. They make eleven thousand
0: two hundred and forty five trips around the track per second. Stat of the year. That, it may be. Dude, it's, what is this, mid-November, and that's the stat of the year? Yeah. More than 11,000 trips around a 16-mile track per second. Yep. If you ever wondered how fast the speed of light is, that's 99.9% there.
1: Yeah, that's, but you, you gotta it. you got to admit that um, a hundredth of a percent is pretty substantial.
0: Sure. I wonder how many trips they make at the speed of light. Yeah, the fact that we have figured out how to do this, not you and I, obviously, <laughs> but yeah. humans have figured out how to do this is pretty amazing. If I agree. It, if it works amazing or terrifying, which we'll get to in a minute. Yes, and then Josh, you know what happens then? They converge. Yeah,
1: they they direct these bunches of yep. beams of protons and to then each other, and boom, kaboom! Six
0: hundred million collisions per second at that point.
1: And I get the impression also that um, it it wasn't clear, but uh, the beams can be directed toward one another at each of the six sensor stations.
0: Oh, okay, really?
1: I think so. Because I think you have to have your sensors right there. Right, right. We'll see. That makes sense. We'll find out. So We're uh, we're going, by the way. I already booked us a trip.
0: Oh, really? We'll be there. Sweet. Um, So what happens, Josh, is they, theoretically, they're going to collide, and they're going to break up into small particles like uh, quarks. And they're uh, they're accompanying energy called gluon. Yeah. You know, gluon keeps it all together. Which is why it's called gluon. (laughs) Is it really? No, I don't know. know. Of course not. (laughs) Uh, but quarks are uh, really unstable, and they will decay in just like a fraction of the second. But we have all these sensors to pick up what happened. Exactly. In the exactly. Um, I think that's
1: that's part of the problem with why we can't detect this stuff in the universe is it's already happened. Right? Right. And we're witnessing its effects. We're part of its effects, Right. Right. Um, so they want to recreate the beginning of the universe to see if these things really exist and what their effects are, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, there's possibly going to be some other things that are created,
0: uh, inadvertently. Yeah. Photons and muons. And black holes, Chuck. Yeah. That's possible. It's very possible, actually. Even CERN said it was possible. Uh-huh. That's one of the critics, uh, one of the things the critics point out is you may create a black hole- And you may destroy the earth so much so that two dudes uh, sued them basically to try and stop it. And not just two dudes, um, a guy named
1: Walter Wagner and Luis Sancho. Walter Wagner was the former nuclear safety officer for the Large Hadron Collider. Right. He was like the guy who was in charge of safety, and he filed a lawsuit in a U.S. district court in Hawaii to to file an injunction Mm -hmm. or to create an injunction to stop that thing from being turned on. Yeah,
0: because you know what a black hole is. It's a bad mamma jamma is what it is. uh, I love how Strickland puts it. Black holes are regions in which matter collapses into a point of infinite density. Not good. No, it's not. And, uh, again, as Chuck said, CERN has
1: said, yeah, maybe. They may create some black holes. But really teeny ones. Well, That's what they're saying. They're yeah. saying, yeah, the black hole you know and love is a star collapsing on itself. We're talking about um, subatomic particles collapsing on themselves. Right. So it so may don't create a it. black hole, but, you know, it's going to be tiny. Um, one of the uh, the concerns that Wagner and Sancho have is that, Sure, it may be tiny, but no one's ever done this before, and you guys have no idea yeah.
0: whether this is safe or not. There's just too much unknown.
1: Right, and they're like, no, no, our magnets are safe. They're, they've been tested. They're like, we're not talking about the magnets. We're talking about all the stuff you
0: have no idea yeah. what's going to happen. And they also said, I love the response, one of CERN's response was, and there's no one allowed down in there while it's going on. Right. And they're like, um, dude, what about the Earth Right? Yeah, being swallowed up into a black hole? Sure. Forget the one scientist that's. You know, wants to watch the explosion. <laughs> Forget him. Yeah. <laughs> he can write out of the uh, black hole
1: what's going on down there, you know? Yes, uh, Josh, and you know what? You know what else I think they
0: might produce? The Strangelet? Yeah. Yeah, these things are a little scary. Yeah, could be worrisome. Uh, Strangelets could possess a gravitational field that could convert them and the entire planet Earth into a lifeless Hulk. Right. They think that Strangelets have this... Um, it, it, they have, they're
1: they very dense. I think they're theoretical as well, right? Yeah, the hypothetical. Um, they, they apparently have the property of lending their incredible density to any other particle it touches and setting off a chain reaction. Kind of like Rogue from X-Men. Sure. Maybe? Kind <laughs> of. I think there's a lot of quantum physics in yeah. X-Men. In right? my pea brain, that's what I'm going to think. <laughs> so... Um, they're worried that if a Strangelet is created, it could set off a chain a chain reaction that turns all matter on Earth into this ultra-dense, dead,
0: like lifeless Hulk, including us, on Earth, because we're on Earth. Yes, but CERN dismisses that for a few reasons. They say, um, first of all, that it's hypothetical, so we don't even know that. Right. So don't get your panties in a wide yet. Right. Um. I believe that's what the memo said, actually. <laughs> and uh then they said that actually there's an electromagnetic field that would really repel normal matter instead of changing it. Sure. So don't sweat it. Right. Then they say even if it does exist, it would be really unstable and would probably just decay, like, instantaneously. Like those black holes. Right. And then the final thing they say is that uh high-energy cosmic rays would produce this stuff naturally anyway. and it should be hitting the Earth already. Yeah, and we're still here, so... Don't worry about it. The one that I have the real problem with was the third one,
1: that it should decay almost instantaneously. Yeah. Or uh, it's like should. Does it really... Well, comforting. no. I mean, does it really take a very long time for a Strangelet to transfer that, That's to set off a chain oh, yeah. reaction? That's true. We'll find out if the world's a lifeless Hulk this uh, this February. Yeah. Sweet. Um, there's a couple of guys, remember that Higgs boson particle that we talked about at the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. Um, There are a couple of guys who are actually very well-respected physicists, right, Chuck? Uh, that's what I'm told. Who have um come up with a couple of papers that basically say, and these are real physicists. These are real respected physicists, and they're not joking. Right. They're saying that the Higgs boson has already been created in the future at CERN, at the Large Hadron Collider, and it was so abhorrent that it rippled back in time mm-hmm. and sabotaged itself so that it could never be created. Sabotaged the LHC so it could never yeah. be created.
0: So what's what's the uh, analogy they liken it to coming back from the future to kill your father so you will never be born? Or your grandfather's, whatever. That's right.
1: actually a paradox. You can't do that or else you never would have been born in the first place. Exactly. But they make the case that... It's not a paradox to travel back in time to push your grandfather out of the path of an oncoming bus, right? Which is they're, what they're saying the Higgs boson's doing, right?
0: And the reason they say this is because it has failed on a spectacular level so far. They it, have yet it to has. There's crank some things that have collision. happened.
1: Strange things you could say.
0: Well, man, nah, there have been some strange ones. The first one wasn't that strange. It was a coolant leak. And uh, it destroyed a lot of the magnets, which was pretty expensive to fix. Sure. So that knocked it off track for quite a while, off track literally. For a good year. Yeah. And um, then, Josh, you know what happened last week? Mm Mm-hmm. A bird dropped a baguette, a piece of bread, into this thing. Yeah, into one of the magnets. This is really what happened.
1: Yeah. Can you believe that? I can because I'm kind of with the two physicists who think that the boson has been created
0: and traveled back in time.
1: Yeah, so this bird
0: drops this into a piece of the outdoor machinery and uh, overheated parts of it. And it was not operational at the time, but they said that it produced such a spike that if it had been turned on, that dropping this bread would have uh, enabled the automatic fail-safes and it would shut it down. Right. Piece of bread. Right. From a bird. Yeah. That's a little
1: hinky. It is, but at the same time, if you think about it... It's not really that hinky, but this, everyone is so, everyone paying attention is so like, this could be really great, or it could conceivably end life as we know it. Right. Let's see what happens. So anything that happens to it, um, is just hugely under the microscope. Yes. Yes. Um, and I just realized that I was agreeing with the string theorist, one of the physicists. Uh Uh-oh. Is Holger Beck Nielsen Uh and uh, his um, compatriot, Japanese physicist Maseo Ninomiya. And these are the two that are saying that the Higgs boson was created and traveled back in time. Right. They have a very easy way of solving whether or not the LHC should be put online. How's that? A card game. Really? Yeah. They want to come up with basically, let's say, 100 million cards. Uh Uh-huh. And 99,999,099 of these cards say, go ahead. Right. And then one card says, shut it down. And obviously, this is all software, not actual cards. Yeah, yeah. And then you ask the LHC to pick one. (laughs) And if the LHC (laughs) picks the one that uh, says, shut it down, Uh then we should shut it down. Shut it down. Then it's fine.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: Are they actually going to do this? I don't think I don't think so. Well, because they have I mean, no sway over CERN anyway, do dude. No, they? they don't. They're they're not related to Swarn. But like I said, they are both respected physicists, and yeah. the the physics community when they first heard about this, were like ha 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 ha, and then they read it and they were like, huh, huh, huh. yeah, but yeah, because it is possible hypothetically, and if uh, the LHC is involved in anything, it's hypothesis and theory. Yeah, big time. uh, until it proves everything or destroys the universe.
0: Uh, We should say, too, that this uh, baguette in the works has not uh, thrown it off schedule, apparently, this time. No. It's just shut it down for the time being. They're still on schedule. Like you said, I think they're going to start cranking it up sometime this winter. And then they're going to break for Christmas and come back and then
1: boom. See what happens. Chuck, I propose, and I also propose this to all of our listeners,
0: having a big old party on the day
1: that they do this.
0: Because it could be our last. Could be. Uh, I also want to point out that I just saw this in the news today. One of the scientists was arrested in France uh, as an al-Qaeda suspect. Mm-hmm. Isn't that weird? Yeah. And, of course, they're saying that this has nothing to do with al-Qaeda trying to get their hands on the LHC or anything like that. It was just kind of one of those things. And there's, I think, 7,000 scientists working on it. Right. So, you know, it's not that big of a deal. No. Oh, well, I guess it is for him. <laughs> yeah, he's
1: in big trouble. <laughs> yeah. Isn't? So that's the LHC, the Large Hadron Collider. Yeah. We'll probably talk about it again at some point in time,
0: don't you think? Yeah, we should follow up when it happens, if it happens.
1: And uh, we'll probably read one of the emails from uh, one of the physicists that write in and let us know how uh, supersymmetry could prove string theory. Right. Yeah? I look forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, if you want to read this article, I strongly recommend it. We didn't cover all of it. It's good, good article written by Strickland. Yeah. You can type in Large Hadron Collider in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com.
0: And bring your drip pan to catch the
1: melting brain. The antimatter here. that drips from your Yeah, it's dense. And uh, I guess it's now, Chuck. It's
0: time for Listener Mail, right? Yes, it is, Josh. My favorite portion of today's show. <laughs> We're going to call this um, a response to my... Uh, my admission that Emily and I fight before every plane trip. Okay. Remember when I said that? Yeah. So we have someone out there that agrees that, uh, or not agrees, but it happens to her and her husband as well. Uh, they've been married for 16 years, and every time before we take a trip, my husband has a major anxiety attack and acts like a total a hole. <laughs> I know that's what it is, and I am pretty tolerant, but until he's on the plane or in the car, he refuses to acknowledge the reason for his tension or even that he's particularly grouchy is what I do so the few days before we travel are always fraught and we always end up fighting about the only time we do fight uh, once we're on our way he's fine I'm still totally aggravated though from him being such a jerk earlier this they've been married 16 years i how just talking uh, earlier this year we went to Chile for a month and when I booked the flights I seriously considered getting separate seats I threatened that next time I'm booking my flight a few days earlier than his anyway just wanted to share this so you know you're not alone That's nice. Uh, As always, thanks for the great podcast. The site is great in general. Uh, Searching for unicorns linked me to some information on hardy roses, which I'd actually recently been looking for. Awesome. (laughs) So there you have it. Wow. And that is from Anne in New York City. And Anne says, as a PS, I could not find your team on Kiva. How do I find it?
1: Well, Anne, you can find it. Funny you should ask. By going into the uh, URL bar of your web browser and typing www kiva.org slash team yes. slash stuff you should know and Chuck uh, there's all the more reason by the way I wanted to say I could not be prouder of our team Chuck the stuff you should know army is
0: awesome we're at straight up 100% loans more more Are we really? Yeah, something like 750 members and 780 loans. We're above one loan per member.
1: In four weeks, everybody, we donated Mm $20,000. That's phenomenal. And Colbert's already been left in the dust. His his leaky team is is donating like eight grand. I think they might be at nine grand so Mm -hmm. far. Chuck and I actually issued a video challenge to Mr. Colbert. We did. We want to see who can be the first to. What did we decide on? um a hundred thousand dollars i think that's a pretty pretty big um undertaking i would say yeah but uh i think we can do it so everybody we have challenged colbert's team to see who can get to a hundred thousand yeah
0: and you know he's ignored us so far so if anyone knows mr colbert or if anyone has any connection with this show or you're a fan go smack him on his big fat head and tell tell him about the little challenge damn right that's what i say. So, uh, again, that's
1: www.kiva.org slash team stuff you should know. And if you have an email for Chuck or me or Jerry or the Large Hadron Collider, you can send it to StuffPodcast at HowStuffWorks.com.
0: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more HowStuffWorks? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?